This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Tonight I want to start something a bit new as we begin to, I really begin to think we're starting to make progress towards opening again. People say, when are you going to open again? We're going to, we're going to keep you posted as our government continues to give us information and we're able to process that information. But we, we, we sense it's coming soon. We're looking forward to being back together. It is going to be different. And so we have to be able to manage those differences. But as we do, I want to shift a little bit and I want to talk and start a new series tonight on on positive actions for negative times. We're dealing with a a time now and even during the the comeback, during the the rollback, as we start to, to go back to what we used to think was normal, as we begin to go in that direction, I just sense that we, we are going to have to stir ourselves up, that we're going to, to have to make some positive steps and some, take some actions that are going to put us in a good position. And so I, I think there's nothing more frustrating, at least for me personally, there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like I'm stuck, that I don't have any options, that I don't have a way that I can go. And that's difficult. I don't like that. I don't like being stuck in traffic. I don't like being at the longest line. If I'm in the grocery store, if I happen to go on those rare occasions that I do go to the grocery store for joy. I'm looking at the line and like this line's moving. You ever done that? This line's moving faster. And so you jump in that line and then it slows down and you're just kicking yourself. Anyway, I don't like being stuck. I like moving forward. And sometimes when you're dealing with a negative situation, especially as it endures for a while, what can happen is instead of, instead of resisting it or moving against it, almost this lethargy can sit in, kind of like, and so we're just kind of waiting, waiting for God to do something, waiting for something to happen. And I don't want us to get there. So I want us to begin to, and we'll, we'll look at this over the next few weeks. How can we take some positive actions for negative times? In the times we're living in, What are some things we can do? And if you're feeling stuck tonight, I really want you to listen to me because with God, we're never stuck. With God, we always have something that we can do. And we're going to talk about that tonight. I want to use as a framework, a great story from the Old Testament. It's found in the book of 2 Kings and it talks about uh, four men who had leprosy and they were in a, a really tough situation. In fact, they felt stuck, but they did something. Let's read the story here. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine's in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, there, now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. This is a, an interesting scenario. The army of, of, of Syria had come against Samaria and the city was shut up. It was, it was undergoing a famine. And so there were no resources in the city and here these four leprous guys were. So I kind of want to outline some of their situations. First one is they were, uh, they were an extremely negative. This is an incredibly negative situation. We think we're in a negative situation. Uh, this is bad. Uh, it's not short term. Uh, and, and these people with leprosy were always quarantined. I, I do just, I want, I'm, just I'm going to take a quick sideline because as I was studying this story, this, this one thing jumped out at me. 
It said there were four men with leprosy or four leprous men. It does not say there were four lepers. And I love the fact that the way the translators looked at that. I looked at other translations. It doesn't say four lepers. And sometimes you hear people, the four lepers. No, no, no. These are four men with leprosy. Don't ever let a disease or a disability define you. It does not define who you are. Now you may have something, but that does not define you. And that situation can change. So these men, they, they had leprosy. Leprosy was a contagious skin disease. It could be fatal. It would, it would eat away at, at uh, uh, the extremities. Uh, often people left people looking very mutilated. It was, it was horrible to look at. So every time, and at least in Jewish cities, they would quarantine them. They would put them aside. I mean, quarantine not, is not new. And they would, they would put these people aside. In fact, if you got around someone who had leprosy, it was his job to scream out, unclean, unclean. And nowadays we don't do that. We just wear a mask. But then it was something where you had to warn people and say, I had leprosy. And, and so they were, they were already isolated, already quarantined. So they were in a bad situation. They were outside the gates of the city. Now you say, well, how, how in the world did they live? Oftentimes family members would feed them. They would take food to them, couldn't touch them. That would had to be tough, wouldn't it? You see your family, you can't connect with them. So they are, they're already in a negative situation, but then it gets worse because the Syrian army put a siege against the city and now there's no resources going in and out. And so the city is just slowly starving out and there's no food there. And so they're in a situation that has just, it, it's gotten bad. And so the Syrian army's on one side threatening to wipe everybody out. Got a famine in there. They've got leprosy. It's, it, it's all about feeling stuck. I bet these guys felt amazingly stuck. But they were unwilling to sit and wait for death. So they, they honestly looked at their situation. I mean, they're very honest about it. <laughs> almost, almost just fatalistic about it. Well, if we go into the city, there's no food there. We're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. And basically, if we go to the Syrian army, what can we do? And they really begin to look at what can we do. Now, the way they looked at it, they're looking for an answer. And this is something that I want you to keep in mind. Sometimes when you get in a, a negative or a difficult situation, it's easy to think there, there's nothing I can do. But usually there's something you can do. A number of years ago, I used to, to, uh, used to train people. This was years and years ago. It was back in the 80s, actually. I would train banks in customer service. And there was a whole customer service uh, films and things we can do. And then I made a presentation. One of the biggest things I remember in the presentation in talking about customer service is how irritating it is if you ask someone for something and it, like, let's say you're asking someone at the bank, can you do this? And like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you go into a store and you're like, hey, do you, do you have these in a certain size? Look at you go, no. You're thinking, is there anything else you can do? Can share? There's just something about no, I can't do that. And so this customer service tip, I've never forgotten it. I said, here's what I can do. You know, I think that it's that way as, as people. We get frustrated when we feel like there's nothing that can, that there's nothing that can be done. But here's what we can do. So that's what these guys were looking for. They were looking for what they could do. And what they really did was they took the only option that was going to keep them alive. So they're thinking, hey, 
We'll go down here to the Syrian army. They might feel sorry for us. Throw us some scraps of food. At least we've got something to eat. And they, they took in an option. And then they, they also factored in what the worst case scenario was. Now, and sometimes I, I know people say, well, Helen, it's, not, it's not faith to, to, to factor in what the worst case scenario is. Well, sometimes we actually have to look at it because we can blow things out of proportion. These guys were basically saying, look, we're, we're, we're dying anyway. So are we going to just sit here and wait for death to come? Or can we do something about it? But don't you know that being able to do something about a situation where you feel stuck is amazingly free? And it's just, it's just, it's so liberating. At least I can do something. I remember reading a number of years ago uh, about the Irish potato famine that hit Ireland years and years ago. And so many people uh, were out of work, like a million men were out of work. I mean, the country was just decimated. And, and so the, the government began to uh, actually have the men build roads. And as they began to build the roads, they said that the, the morale of the men just lifted because they had something they could do. And they began to sing and they were working and they didn't mind the hard work and they were working. Uh, the, the unfortunate part of that story is they found out that the roads had no purpose. They just went off into the bogs. And when the men determined that there was no purpose to that, it just, man, it took all the joy out of it. And someone wrote the very, very, very succinct phrase, roads to nowhere are hard to build. As we, as these men were sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? We can do something. And I love that mentality. We're going to just do something. And I think what they determined was, I'd rather take a risk than just sit here and wait to be swallowed up with the inevitable. Is there something about just waiting for the negative to roll over the top of you that is not good? And these men decided, we'll, we'll go ahead and take a risk. Let's see what happens. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they'd come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and they went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. So let's look and see what happened here. There were some, they were unwilling to sit and wait. So they were willing to take a risk. And as they took a risk, God got involved. And so here's what we see the Lord. The Lord caused, it said there was only four men, but the Lord caused the Syrians to hear an army. Here's what I thought was fascinating. The Syrians hear this army and immediately they begin to speculate. Have you ever noticed how fear has wild speculation attached to it? They said the kings of Israel have hired the Hittites and the Egyptians and evidently those were powerful armies and they didn't feel like they had a chance. It is, that is nothing but speculation. These guys had no idea, but they were speculating and that's what fear does. Let me just, let me just give you a warning. 
Don't listen to everyone who's speculating about the future of our nation or your future. Because fear can be, fear, it can get wild with its, its speculation. And, that, and there are going to be some people out there that really just love to push the envelope and it's clickbait and don't get caught up with it. Make sure you're asking the Lord, what, you, you have a much better feel for my future than anybody else does. So don't get caught up in the, in the speculation. But then you see the third cup actually just totally ran over. I mean, here these guys were, they're starving. And now they come to the Syrian camp, there's nobody there. And so... <laughs> Man, I bet these guys feel like they just hit the lottery. So they run in, they got food, they, they, get, they get food and they eat and they're eating chicken legs and they got wings and, and man, and, and they got hush puppies and they're just having a great time. Man, they're eating all this food and then they're thinking, man, this, this is some nice stuff in here. I'm, I'm going to go take it and hide it. So then they take all the stuff and they go and hide it. Then they go and hide it again. You're talking about these guys getting blessed. I mean, these are four guys getting ready to die. Now they're sitting back. They got some new clothes on. They're, they're, they're eating good. And they're thinking, this is, this is really great. Then the Bible says, he causes our cup to overflow. You know, he is an overflow God. And he can do some amazing things. So here these guys are, and they're eating. But, but then they, they have a revelation. And I like the revelation they have. We, we see that they become unlikely tellers of good news. They said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait till morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. They probably started feeling guilty. They're sitting around there with their new clothes. They're all full and they're thinking, oh, no, we need to, we, we need to at least go tell what's going on. We need to talk to the king's household. Tell This is good news. Man, God, God has delivered. Look at this. This is wonderful. Listen, this is one reason we come to you over the internet. This is one reason we have church. We can't be quiet about what God's done in our lives. We've got good news and we've got good news to tell you. And when that good news is a reality in your life, you, you just tell people, it becomes part of your life. People say, why are you happy? And, and you smile. You say, I want to tell you something. God's done something good for me. We've got good news to tell. So we're not quiet about it. We don't have to be pushy with people, but we can at least say, hey, hey, the Lord's been good. How are you staying peaceful during times like this? The Lord's good. He's helping us. We're going to get through this. This is what people need. They need somebody carrying some good news. So we got the story now. Four guys getting ready to die. And they look at the situation and go, you know what? Why are we sitting here? We're going to get up and do something. And their actions, the Lord was able to take their actions and do something with it. Now that's a key point I want you to, to, to get. He's able to take actions and do something with it. So often it's so easy just to sit there and do nothing and wait. And we don't want to do that. We want to move forward. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about positive actions for these negative times. When you feel stuck in a negative situation, it can feel, it seems as if there, there are no options. And so what happens is people just kind of sit. And they're not really making any actions, any movements toward anything. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Alan, wait a minute, I, I, my job, I, either I lost my job, I don't have prospects at a new job. I, there's, there's nothing I can do right now. And that's, that's the thought. I want to I, I 
just kind of push back on. I want, I want to give you some new thoughts to think. There's always something you can do. Now, it might be, you might not be able to walk and hand your resume out to companies right now who aren't hiring. I'm not talking about that, but there's some things that you could do. You don't have to feel like you're stuck and you can feel like you can take some action. You don't adopt, and here's, a, here's don't just settle. Don't adopt and it is what it is mentality. That's kind of, people quote that like it's a scripture. Well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, really, really? Just, just because someone says that, everyone goes, yeah, that's very wise. It is what it is. Uh, hey, how about, what can I do in this situation? I, I need, there's a can-do mentality. A number of years ago, when my daughter was, uh, she, she was in my mid-20s. And I remember she had developed this mentality that there were no good available men anywhere. And so she just kind of sat in her room and resigned herself, you know, waiting, I guess, waiting for God just to drop somebody in our front yard. And that wasn't happening. And I remember telling Christina, I said, you got to do something here. And so we actually, she did, and, and her mom and I, it became a family endeavor. We got on a Christian dating site. And boy, do we have fun with that. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was entertainment for our family. But here was, the, here was the purpose behind it. The purpose behind it was that Christina is thinking there is no anybody out there who's available. There's nobody out there. Listen, when you start using those absolutes, you're in trouble. And she, there is no job out there. There is no person out there for me. There is no hope. No, no, no. You don't want to go there. And so I told Christina, look, just if nothing else, that dating website, it at least begin to open her eyes to the fact that there were options out there. And she met some very interesting individuals on that site. Now she did not marry, she did not meet her husband there. That, you know, God opened that and put those two together. And she had a wonderful husband and we love Josh and he's great. But it gave her the idea that she didn't have to sit in her room and do nothing. Listen, that's the mentality I want to encourage you to get outside of. You don't have to sit in your room and do nothing. You have to sit in your house and get sadder and sadder and sadder. That there is something that you can do. Now, this may, what I'm going to give you tonight may not be what you're thinking of. Man, Alan, that's exactly, that's the plan I need. But it steps in the right direction. You want to make steps in the right direction. A number of years ago, I was, when we just started the church, we've been going for about a year. We had 300 people. I was working full-time for another company. I was working full-time and pastoring. And I was talking to a good friend of mine and, and uh, who, someone I respect very highly spiritually. And I remember I was telling him, man, I'm so busy and I need to, I don't know. And he looked at me, he said, Alan, uh, you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. And I realized that I had to take a step. So I went to my company. They were a wonderful company. I went to them and I told them, I said, guys, I'm living in two worlds and you guys are getting cheated. I got to resign. I'll never forget my, my sales manager. He looked at me. He's a great guy, Jay Meeks. He said, Alan, um, did you come in to talk about your severance package? And I just smiled and nodded my head. I didn't even know what a severance package was. I just smiled and said, yeah, that's exactly. And this wonderful company paid me for an entire year. I worked just a minimal amount of hours doing some, some things for them, but I was able to focus almost all of my energies on the church. And they paid me for a year. It was wonderful. But I had to take a step. So we're talking some actions. Now, 
That was an action that I could take. Let me give you some actions that you can take, not just settling, but you can take it. And these are acts of our faith. Here's the first one. We want to, we want to give God something to work with so we can always rejoice in the Lord. Now that's not what you wanted to hear, but that's going to help you. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4, Paul is writing Philippian church. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Now, the reason I'm talking about rejoicing, it's always a good place to start. It keeps us out of despair and despondency. And it's one of the most powerful acts of our faith. Are you hearing me on this one? Listen to me real, real clear. What happens is sometimes we get, when, when the situation is, is bad, if we don't take some positive action against it, we can just sit there and sit there and sit there. And you feel worse and worse and worse. Rejoicing gives me something I can do. It gives me something I can begin to rejoice in what God has done for me. I can rejoice in my salvation. I can rejoice in how big God is. I can sing worship songs. And it, I'm telling you, rejoicing can absolutely lift you. You hear the scriptures talk about it a lot. And it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, he repeats himself in that book of Philippians. He talks about it. Rejoice. He said, that's a safe thing. That is always a safe thing. Now, if, you're, if we're honest, and I'll just, I'll just talk about me. When things get negative, what I often find is that my rejoicing goes way down. And it's just the time when the, that rejoicing needs to go way up. Listen, any of us can rejoice when things are going great. But when things get bad, more that, it, that is the time it becomes a sacrifice of praise. And it's something that will help you. you say, well, how is that going to help me? Well, it's one thing. It's going to help lift your spirits. Another thing, when you're giving praise to God, the Bible said he inhabits the praises of his people. There's some wonderful things that can happen when you begin to praise God. He can do a lot more with your praise than he can do with your silence. When we get quiet, we've got to give him something to work with. And so when we begin to rejoice, even in the middle of tough times, not easy, but I, it'll, it'll help you. Because I'll tell you something, it's hard to be depressed and rejoicing at the same time. Rejoicing will just simply lift you. Say, well, I don't even know how to do it. Well, one, you don't have to record it, but you can sing. You can, you can quote Psalms. I love Psalms 23. I, since we've been in this virus shutdown, my new habit, and it's now a habit, every morning before I get out of bed, I quote the 23rd Psalm. That's a great way to start. So what are you doing? I'm just getting my day started right. I'm taking some action. I'm rejoicing. That's the first one. Number two, you can pray. So you're going to, seriously? Yeah, pray. Rejoicing and pray. I told you, you may not like these ideas, but these are still positive steps. So now let's talk about prayer. Here, be anxious for nothing. Paul's still writing. By the way, same, same passage. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, be anxious. In other words, worry is not helping you. It's not working. And I've, I've done it. I grew up in a, in a family where my mother was a champion worrier. She learned how to do it from her mother. And so there was a, like a legacy of worry that was passed down. And so I was, a, I was very adept at worrying. I could worry with the best. It never helped me. I worried at a young age. It never helped me. It's not helping you. You say, well, I can't, I can't help it. Well, 
The scriptures say, don't be anxious, but pray. And everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And so that's, a, that's not a, a despondent crying prayer. It's a thanksgiving prayer. God, you can help me. Now listen, as I was thinking about this, I, I thought of people who have prayed before and did not get their prayers answered. And so you gave up on prayer. Don't give up on prayer. Listen, I have, I have had plenty of prayers that were not answered. Not proud of it, but I've had a lot of prayers that weren't answered. But instead of getting angry at God or feeling that God just didn't want to do it, I began to ask the questions. What can I do to change? What can I do? How do I position myself, Father, to receive answers to these prayers? For example, if, you're, if your prayer, if your only prayer over the last few years is, Lord, help me win the lottery, you might want to change that one. Because chances are that, that, one's, that one's not going to work too well. If you're praying, Lord, I need you to kill my spouse. Don't be praying that one either. That's not a good one. But we need to pray in, in, in accordance to God's will. And then we do it with thanksgiving. So don't give up. Listen, we got more grit than that. We're persistent people. And if we didn't get answers, we need to go back and go, Lord, what do I need to do? How do I get answers to this prayer? How do we get answers to this situation? And I realize I've just, just introduced a huge topic. But the Bible tells us, don't worry about things. Pray about things. You say, Alan, I thought you were going to give me some action. That is action. Prayer is powerful. James said the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person causes great power to be made available. It avails much. It, it can really change things. One of the biggest things we did before we ever started this church is Joy and I would meet up in our, in our house. We'd meet in our loft and we would begin to pray. And we would pray about people that we didn't even know were existing. When we started this church, we didn't have any, no one was backing us. We had no money. We just had some, just a, a, a few dollars that we had set aside. We had a couple of other couples that came with us. None of them were rich. <laughs> so what could we do? One of the greatest actions that we did was we prayed. And you know what? We still do. We pray for you. We pray for this church. We have prayer teams that meet. Our staff prays. And I, I'm, I am fully convinced that some of the wonderful things that we've seen God do in this church have been a result of the fact that we pray. We believe in it. We're, we're praying people. And so if you've given up on it, I, I want to see if I can talk you into, into developing a, a new interest in prayer and going back and, and praying. What a wonderful way to connect, to have fellowship with God. So grateful. I don't attribute, I don't attribute what God has done in this church to simply the fact that we prayed. But in, in our prayer, we're giving God room to move in our lives and in this area. And it's made a difference. And when we pray, we pray with thanksgiving, meaning God, we're, 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 we're grateful. And that's the third thing. Three things that you can do. Three actions. Rejoicing, prayer, and giving thanks. Let me give you a scripture here. And this is in Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it really gives us almost the same progression that Paul laid out in, in Philippians. Look what it says. Rejoice always. Remember we talked about that. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So we've got, we've got all three of those. Rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. Why do we give thanks? It's the will of God. It keeps our focus on what's right in our life. Thanksgiving is marvelous for thanking God on the things we do have, what we can do, what he's done, 
So it, it really puts our focus. It's so easy. I've done it. You've done it. It's so easy to get our focus on everything that's wrong. And you get so focused on everything that's wrong, you forget everything that's right. And there's a lot of right things going on. And there's a lot of right things in our lives. And so rejoicing, giving, uh, praying, and giving thanks always. Being grateful. And that's one, it puts you right in the will of God. Again, it's giving God something to work with. You're not stuck. You're not, you're, you're not destined to be despondent. You're not destined to be in a low place. You are not stuck. You have something you can do. You can rejoice. You say, well, that's, that's spiritual stuff. Yeah, but spiritual stuff is powerful. And giving thanks, I'll tell you, one of, one of the biggest things that giving thanks does, it magnifies God in our life. This verse here. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. The more you begin to, to thank God and to magnify God before you see anything, the more you thank God, you, you begin to magnify God before things change. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? Before you see your situation turn around, before you get unstuck, if you begin to thank God that you're getting unstuck and you're thanking him for the good things in your life, it will help you. It will lift you. Joy and I got in a car one, one day a number of years ago when, when Matthew was small. And I remember that we, we talked the problem all the way down to a restaurant. We ate at the restaurant. We talked the problem right through dinner. We talked the problem all the way back. Even though it was a date night, it was a sad night because all we did was magnify how bad things were. We've learned. We've gotten better. We are certainly not perfect. But one of the things that we have done, and we'll do this around the house now, I wish we'd done it more when our kids were smaller. But I wish we would just look at one another like we do now and go, thank God God's doing good things. Boy, we just thank God God is, is doing great things. We're so grateful for what God has done. I tell you, that, that creates an entirely different atmosphere to live in. One where you're grateful, one where you're giving thanks for all the good things that God has done. We're not stuck. We've got some actions that we can take. What can you do? Why are we going to sit here? We're not just going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and let the enemy bombard me. I'm not going to sit here and let circumstances bombard me. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to pray about it. I say, what if you don't get answers? I'm going to pray again. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to keep praying about it. I'm going to keep on giving thanks. And I believe you begin to take steps like that in his light. We see light. You start moving forward and God can show you something else to do, or he can open doors or he can, there's just so many things, but let's give him something to work with. Remember, he can work with our rejoicing. He can work with our prayers. He can work with our thanksgiving much more than he can work with our silence. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. And if you're listening to me and you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God, but I want to be sure we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to pray. It's a very simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. You can pray from your heart. Or, or maybe you're out there thinking, you know, I remember a time when I was close to God, but I've gotten so far away from him. And maybe, maybe life happened and you got negative. doesn't have to be that way. You can come closer. We're going to say a prayer. And this can be the beginning or this can be the reentry point for you for something really good in your life. So bow your head with me and I'll, I'll lead you in it. But you pray this out of sincerity and pray it from your heart. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. 
and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've come home, for those who've come back, I rejoice, Father, because a whole new world is going to open up for them. And we are grateful for that. Thank you for that. Father, for the rest, those who love you, those who are walking with you, those who've been doing their best to honor you, Father, I pray that you would, this this message would ring in their heart. There's something they can do. They're not stuck. Father, thank you for showing us steps that we need to take, paths that we need to take. Father, thank you that as we set you before us, you will show us paths of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. We give you all the praise for that. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.